0: Welcome to the Alpine Psalmist Podcast. I'm your host, Torre, And everyone has been asking me about this Asbury revival. People have been sending me texts. I've been hearing things from other people and in case you haven't been paying attention or if you're living under a rock or whatever, uh, basically there's this small college in Asbury, Kentucky, I think is the name of the town. I, I've never been there before. But Asbury University is there. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. And from what I understand in, in listening to people and hearing the testimonies of others, basically on Wednesday nights they have chapel at this small college university. It's a Christian school. And on a particularly Wednesday night a few weeks ago, usually the chapel would end. But afterwards, people just lingered around and and just wanted to worship, praise God, um, you know, read words of encouragement. And they just stuck around and they didn't leave. And for days they didn't leave and more students came and people were just offering up worship uh, 24-7 and it got the attention of all the students and, and, and hundreds of people showed up, thousands soon, people from the town were coming, ministry leaders were coming from the town. And as we know, it's gotten a lot of social media attention. People from all over the world are paying attention. They're saying, hey, what's going on in, in this you know little college town in Kentucky? And that's what they're calling it, the Asbury Revival. And, and in case you don't know the history of, of Asbury University, there's, it's been the site of of numerous revivals in American history as far back as from what I understand 1905 or so in the 1970s, there was some cool stuff that occurred there as well. And, and, and as I've been, and been, been listening about this and hearing about it, I'm seeing a lot of great buzz and great feedback from it, but I've also seen a lot of criticism of, about it as well. Um, from people on social media and, and various different circles people questioning the authenticity of it and and whether it's authentic revival whether it's false revival and you know I think that I think we should have discernment of course but I also think uh, we shouldn't be so cynical that we can't believe and hope that maybe God is stirring something in the hearts of people today who are hungry for him. So I think that we got to be careful that we're not overly cynical. And I get it. I understand why so many people are cynical right now. You know, I was looking at a poll recently, and this is just not one poll. There's just been dozens of polls recently that have shown that, that Americans, not just Americans, but people in general are, have their lowest trust in institutions in 50 plus 100 years like, if you look across the board, people don't trust institutions anymore. They don't trust churches, hospitals, government, um, professions, clergy, whatever it is. There's a huge amount of, of cynicism in our culture, especially after after COVID, right? And, and the church itself, within the church... There's a lot of cynicism right now, and I think the reason why is because Christianity has been rocked by so many scandals in the last 30, 40 years. So many pastors have abused their authority. So many institutions have been caught up in financial abuse scandals and and sexual abuse scandals and, and manipulation scandals that a lot of people are hurt, understandably so. But I think one of the bad consequences of all that is that there's a lot of cynicism in the air. A lot of people question the authenticity of things more, in which we should have discernment. But I think one of the negative outcrops of that is that when we're overly cynical, we really can miss out on something new and fresh that God is doing. And so I think we should approach this with an open mind. One of the things that really encourages me about the Asbury University revival from what I've seen is that so many uh so many reports I've heard and read and the testimonies of college students that are there uh one of the things that really encourages me is that this is not a uh, a professional production it's it's just average everyday people students young adults who, who really have a fervent desire to praise God. There's no professional pastors. There's no celebrity pastors. There's no celebrity worship band coming there to sing songs. It's just average everyday people. And those are the people that God uses. I really believe that. I believe that I believe one of the things that God is doing in the church right now is he's raising up and I should be careful because I don't think there's any ordinary person, but we're all called to the priesthood of believers. And one of the things that I love about this is the simplicity of it. It's not manu- To me, it doesn't seem manufactured. No one planned this. It wasn't something that was put out there as a revival. It was just spontaneous worship and reading of the word of God that sparked um, this this movement. And so that's encouraging to me. Uh, and i think more often than not that's the way that god moves right and so uh so, so to those who are questioning the authenticity of it i would encourage you to have an open mind and uh you know wouldn't it be amazing if god was doing something new if, in this generation and and that would be something that we should all desire as believers and uh to me, that's encouraging. And so to me, as I look at it, um, to tell you the truth, I'm encouraged as I see it. I don't see anything wrong going on there um, as far as I can tell. Time will tell, uh, which leads me to a passage I want to share or a story I want to share from the Bible, which is related to this, as I'm thinking of this topic of revival and God using simplicity and God using us despite ourself. And I was thinking of the story of Of Jonah. You know, Jonah in many ways was a reluctant prophet. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He hated the people of Nineveh. They hated the Jewish people and the Hebrews as well. And God calls Jonah to go to a people who he despised. And Jonah resisted that call the first time and he ended up thrown over a ship in a storm into the belly of a well. And then the whale spit him out, right? We all know the story. Well, most of us do anyways. And God calls him again to go to Nineveh. And so if you read the whole story of Jonah, it's interesting because Jonah, he reluctantly goes to Nineveh. He doesn't even, and it's amazing because Jonah doesn't even like pray for the people. He doesn't prepare some long, eloquent sermon. He doesn't prepare... He just basically walks into the town and says, you know, know, God's judgment's coming in to repent. And he probably was just halfway doing it, like, you know, like totally incompetent, right? He he probably was going in there with the hope that he just fulfilled God's call and he'll just do what he tells him to do, but he's not going to add any effort of himself to it, right? And what happens? The entire city repents, 120,000 people, which think about that. 120,000 people in Jonah's day is probably the equivalent to a city of millions of people in our day and age. And the entire city, the, the Bible tells us, repents. In spite of Jonah's bad attitude, in spite of his incompetence, in spite of the fact that the people of Nineveh weren't even looking for revival. And after all is said and done, Jonah is still mad at God. And I think that story is so amazing and so revealing, if you ask me, because there was no manufacturing of a revival. You had a prophet who didn't even want to go to even preach a revival. You had a people who were not even prepared for a revival. You had no promotion of a revival. You just had a simple message that God told Jonah to give and the people repented and and what that shows me is, and, and don't get me wrong, I am not suggesting if you are a pastor or a minister or anybody to just not pray for your enemies. I'm not suggesting that you do not study. We should all be good Bereans. I'm not suggesting you have a bad attitude. But, what to, but to me, when I hear that story, what is so amazing is that what it shows me is that God moves when he wants to move. We can't force God to move. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why people are so cynical is because they've seen so many people try to manufacture moves of God. They've seen so much manipulation behind the scenes with so many movements and so many events that they become cynical. But more often than not, when we read the scripture, we see a God who moves, the Holy Spirit moves when he wants to move. And when he moves, he doesn't need our effort. He really doesn't. I mean, yes, he'll use our resources, he'll use our prayers, he'll use our witnessing, but at the end of the day, when the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit moves, and and there's nothing that we can do to influence what God decides to do that. And to me, that is, I know some people might look at that and almost feel kind of bad, because if you're a person who's a perfectionist and feels like you have to have all your ducks in a row, that might feel like you're powers being taken from you. But to me, that's incredibly encouraging because what it shows me is that God will use us in spite of us, that God will go to great lengths to accomplish his will in spite of us being broken vessels. And I think that that is the most encouraging part of the story of Jonah, that God's grace is bigger and greater than we could ever imagine. And I love that verse in Ephesians where it says that uh that, and I don't have the exact, you know, quotation, but uh that uh, the gospel is a work of the Holy Spirit um in spite of that so that no man can boast, right? So none of us can boast. It's God's grace. And so none of us can boast in what God is doing in Asbury or wherever he's at. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. And so think about that, that God used the most reluctant prophet who didn't even want to be a preacher, who didn't want to preach to these people. And he brought about probably, arguably, one of the greatest revivals we see in the entire Bible, 120,000 people saved who weren't even looking for God originally. And so I think that's... that's that's encouraging cuz you know what at the end of the day we don't have to manipulate god we don't have to manipulate people we just got to be true to ourselves and i believe one of the reasons why we haven't seen more revivals breaking out is because we we try to we try to harness things the way we want them to go so many times And a lot of times we're just in the way of what God wants to do. And I've seen it so many times in ministry. I can tell you so many stories of times in ministry where God wanted to do something, I believe, in my own heart. And and I've seen people uh, try to manipulate. I've seen people become very cynical. I've seen people have illicit motives. Um, But I think when we remove ourselves from the equation, God can do so much more than we can even imagine. And so I believe that that God can use this event in this little small university in Kentucky to bring revival, not just there, but everywhere. Revival can happen anywhere. It can happen in your own home. As I was thinking of this whole revival fervor picking up, I was thinking of, uh, and I've been reading articles about uh, Jonathan Edwards, and if you don't know who Jonathan Edwards is, he was a very well-known preacher and theologian um, writer who was really prevalent back in between 1733 and 1735, as I recall, during that time period, and he was involved in the first Great American Awakening, So look that up, read about it. It's really interesting if you read about the first awakening. I don't have time to explain everything that happened then, but some people say the first great awakening led to a lot of changes in American history and in Western history. But Jonathan Edwards, he said there's really five marks of true revival. He said that Jesus is exalted, the Holy Spirit acts against the influence of Satan's kingdom by preaching sin and repentance, The Bible is exalted and is held in a high regard. The spirit of understanding and truth opposes spirits of falsehood. And finally, love of God and man is promoted. I like that. It's really simple. Jesus is exalted. Satan's kingdom is destroyed. The truth of God's word is exalted. Falsehood is put down. And finally, the love of God among men and each other is promoted. And I just love the simplicity of that. And I pray and hope that that is what we're seeing here today in our lifetime, that Jesus is exalted and most importantly, that the simplicity of the gospel is sufficient And so you may ask me, do I think that there is revival going on in Asbury? My answer is, I hope so. And I hope that I don't ever get to the point in my life where I'm so cynical that I can't see when God is moving in a situation or a circumstance. And I hope that is the same for you. That the flames of revival A true love for Jesus, a promotion of God's word, a a true love for people, not just in a structure of a building or a church, but really being a light wherever you go. I hope that that is what you see and what you can be a part of in your everyday life, every day. And one of the things that I really love and just my final thought on this whole thing in Asbury is the fact that that so many students have been saying that, you know, God's just simple word is being spoken. And people are just engaging in spontaneous worship, which I'm a huge fan of. And I think that's just so cool. And so wherever you are, you can do that in your home. You can do that in your car. You can do that in your job. You know, you can you can make your life a, a life of worship. And so, uh, you know, let's let go of the, the cynicism Let's uh, have discernment, but let's let's let go of the cynicism, and let's just hope that uh, hope and pray that God is doing something new. And you know what? God will uh, do what He wants, despite what we do. Because at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is a better leader than any man or woman could ever be. Hey, this is the Alpine Psalmist. I'd love to hear what you think. Keep looking up. Have a great week.